Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and so much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Naro Wang, and for this Thanksgiving weekend, I've decided to do something a little different for episode 47 of the Everything USC podcast. One of the things that we USC alums are proud of is the Trojan family and the immense reach that being a part of that alumni network provides. I'm thankful to have been mentored and helped along the way in my career by quite a few fellow Trojans, and my guest today is one of those people. He's one of the first bosses I ever had in sports media when I was hired in my sophomore year at USC to log football games for Fox Sports, which was the beginning of my journey in this crazy business. Jim Bernard, I'm thankful that you hired me all those years ago and that you're taking some time during this holiday weekend to join me on the Everything USC podcast. Well, Nara, thank you for having me on the show. It's great to be here and happy Thanksgiving weekend to you. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all of our listeners out there. If you enjoy listening to this show, please subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, or TuneIn, or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, I'm on Twitter. You can find and follow me there, at Sports. N-A-R-A. W-E-N-G Sports. Jim, any social media or anything you want to get out there? Let the people know. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at JimBernard1. I get plenty of USC and Bay Area sports uh, takes on there if you want to take a look. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Before we get to the autopsy of the Trojans' loss against the rival Bruins, Jim, I thought it'd be fun to just reminisce a little bit about the early days of Fox Sports. Most people know that it started up in 1994 when Fox took over the NFC package of the NFL from CBS. That fall was when I started as a student at USC, and I joined the student-run radio station KSCR whose sports director that year was a senior named Jacob Ullman. Jake, who is now a senior vice president of Fox Sports, got a full-time job there after graduating and ended up referring me and others from KSER to you to get part-time work as a syscom logger to watch and log all the plays from NFL games to help catalog highlights that could be used by producers in features and packages. 
as I said earlier, an example of the Trojan Family Network in action. Jim, what do you remember about your beginning at Fox Sports and the work you were doing? Well, yeah, like you said, we were there at the beginning when Fox Sports flipped the switch. So technically, it was just Fox Sport then. They had wrestled the NFC, NFL rights away from CBS and were, you know, starting up fresh and needed to come on with a bang. I got myself involved as a stand-in during the rehearsals in August of just before the NFL season. And, you know, we practiced for the studio show over and over and over again to be sure that it came on well. And then I was lucky enough to get in as a highlight writer the first year and uh, was writing for JB and Terry and then uh, parlayed that into more of a management path and had a lot of great memories and a lot of great adventures at Fox. And I worked there essentially a decade, starting from 1995 when I was a sophomore at USC until I left in 2005. How long were you at Fox Sports and all? Over 20 years and was lucky enough to have my hand in a lot of different pies. You know, we went on to get baseball and NASCAR and I worked primarily with the studio shows, but when the studio show would travel, I was uh, involved in four Super Bowls and nine World Series and nine Daytona 500s on site and at the event. And there's nothing as exciting as a live sporting event. Being there and being a part of it is, is truly exciting. And then also delivering, you know, sports product to millions of homes also. There's a certain jazz to it that really is a lot of fun and it's hard, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you definitely work a lot of long hours for a lot of people who think it's all glamorous. I tell people all the time that, you know, if you like sitting in a studio or a TV truck and you can't go to the bathroom for three plus hours, if that's your idea of glamour, then that's exactly what it is. So it's a lot of hard work. And yeah, I mean, you know, just like yesterday with Thanksgiving. I was home with my family and uh, ate myself into a coma and had a very relaxing day, whereas those 20 years, uh, I was at work. Yeah, I was working pretty much, I think, every Thanksgiving as well, almost from the time I started. Maybe I didn't work that first year, but yeah, a lot of holidays and weekends are spent working while everyone else gets to enjoy watching the games on TV from the comfort of their own homes or from bars or whatever it may be. And again, I got in as someone who was logging games and working also that first year on the short-lived FX sports show that was hosted by Jim Rome and Kevin Frazier for the few people out there who may remember that show. And so the logging system was called Syscom Logging, and it was a way to try and help people be able to basically go to the computer and search for certain players or highlights that they could then use in features and highlight packages and things like that that go into the shows of the games. So how did that all get started and how did you get involved with trying to hire people for that? Yeah, so uh, when I came on board at Fox, like I said, I was the highlight writer and that was just a part-time gig, just on game days. And then my first full-time position, I was in the operations department and my primary function, you know, we got to think back, this isn't, you know, streams and you know, just downloads back then. So the main function was recording every football game that we needed onto a VHS tape and then getting those VHS tapes FedExed out Monday for all the talent to watch their games. 
So they would watch their own game that they did. And then the two teams that they were playing the upcoming week. So, you know, when uh, Troy Aikman gets his package at his house, he gets three tapes. But when you're the person trying to send that stuff out, it is a giant pile of FedExes and tapes. And so I had a team of people that did that. And and we made sure that that was correct and, you know, on time. And then we partnered with a system called Syscom, a logging system. And, you know, I was in charge of putting people in place to log games. And it is, uh, you know, tedious. (laughs) It's, It's not easy. But that was a a foot in the door, like for yourself and many others that went on to do great stuff. It was a way to get through security and meet some people and do good work and move on to bigger and better things. Do you remember your initial impressions of me when I joined the Fox gang? Well, of course, you know, like you said, Trojan family, I knew I had you and Marcus Grant were guys that I could count on anytime you guys were in. And I had no problem getting you guys to do something a little more important than logging these games. You know, it was a task that many people came through the door and, you know, everybody wants to be in sports television. And, you know, we had to develop a sports test for people, you know, like, can you name the four teams in the NFC West? Something that you and I would do off the top of our head, but somebody's being shoved into this. You know, I didn't have time to teach somebody who a linebacker was or who a wide receiver was. And, you know, sports is, it's a thing. Yeah. You got to know it. You, the, the, you have to know the basic stuff. And so, yeah, we had a lot of people come into Syscom logging that really thought it was so important and they were killing themselves. And we just had to, you know, tell them, no, this isn't probably not for you. But luckily, like I said, I got you and your sidekick, Marcus. You guys did a nice job for us. I appreciate that. We were always pumped up to be able to go in there, the old Fox lot in Hollywood, of course. Now it's in Century City, but that was always a lot of fun for us as young students looking again for a foot in the door, like you mentioned. And how has being a Trojan impacted your career and your contacts just being a part of the USC family? Well, you know, it's a great thing to be a part of USC. You know, when you're there, it's exciting. And and then you learn as you move on that it's a special bond that you carry not only with your old classmates and friends, but people that you maybe didn't know or came before you or after you, you know, you're part of the Trojan family. So yeah, I've, I've run into plenty of Trojan people and it's a quick fight on, but it's a nice way to click with someone. That is for sure. And you know, I, Jim, I, I was trying to put this off as long as possible, but we got to talk about the game from last Saturday, a brutal 62 to 33 loss to the UCLA Bruins, the biggest margin of defeat by USC against UCLA since a 34 nothing shutout in 1954. It's the most points ever allowed to UCLA. They had never allowed 50 points to the Bruins, and they end up giving up 62. 609 total yards for UCLA in the game. Their quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who... Always seems to play well against USC, and he didn't get off to a good start. He threw interceptions on his first two passes, but he ends up finishing 16-22 for 349 yards, four touchdowns, just those two interceptions that started his day off, and he also ran 11 times for 46 yards and two touchdowns. So six touchdowns total for DTR, 
And on those two rushing touchdowns, the first one, he ends up signing an autograph for a young USC fan in the corner of the end zone, gets a 15-yard penalty for that. So it's hard to tell if that kid is actually a real USC fan because he got a penalty on UCLA or if he's maybe not a real USC fan because he's asking a UCLA quarterback for an autograph. Maybe a coin flip on that. But then the second touchdown run, which finished off the Trojans with a hurdle over Isaac Taylor Stewart to go into the end zone to basically put the cherry on top of their beatdown Sunday. UCLA running back Zach Charbonnet had 28 carries, 167 yards, and a touchdown by himself. And the big breakout star of the game was the wide receiver Kazmir Allen. Three catches, 115 yards, two of them for touchdowns, and the 100-yard kickoff return touchdown in the third quarter after Gary Bryant Jr. had brought the Trojans to within nine at 35-26 with a 44-yard touchdown catch. But Allen's kickoff return immediately just stifled any momentum that USC might have had. It was the first career start for quarterback Jackson Dart. Up and down, 27 of 47, 325 yards and a touchdown, but did throw two interceptions himself. Bryant had the big day among the receivers with nine catches, 161 yards, and that touchdown. Keontae Ingram was the leading rusher with 96 yards on 17 carries, but Vavai Malapai was the one who got in the end zone three times for the Trojans on 10 carries and 49 yards. And for me, this just was a continuation of a historic home schedule of shame that we've had in 2021. And this game was essentially UCLA's version of USC's 66-19 win back in 2005. I mean, the list of bad things that have happened this season and then in this game to USC, we could do a whole show on it, but essentially this has to be rock bottom for the Trojans, correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much worse it could get. I mean, it is a it was a horrible loss no matter who we're playing. But then to lay on that it's from our powder blue rivals from across town just makes it sting all the worst. And the Trojans gave up 260 yards on the ground. I mean, you can't do that if you expect to win a football game. You've got to be able to stop the run. And the Trojans going into the season were supposed to be able to do that. And somewhere along the line, they've lost the ability to tackle. They've lost the ability to just establish any kind of push or dominance on defense it just was rough this last game and it's been tough to watch like I said these home games you give up over 40 to Stanford the coach gets fired you give up over 40 to Oregon State the first time the Beavers have won in the Coliseum since 1960 you give up over 40 to Utah the first time the Utes have won against USC in Los Angeles since 1916 that predates the Coliseum, which was, of course, built for the 1932 Olympics that were held in Los Angeles. And then you have this shameful performance against your bitter rivals. From when you started school at USC, do you remember ever seeing the Coliseum so empty for the start of a UCLA game? No, no. You know, there were definitely some lean years over the time that I was there and, and then shortly thereafter before Pete Carroll came, but always you got up for this crosstown rival because, 
you know, it, it is your rival and you want to beat them there. There's activities all week on campus and, you know, but it just seems as if, you know, it is just become an afterthought for USC football. And, and that's because of the overall tone and swing of things. I mean, early on, the Trojans were hanging with them. And then, you know, they obviously missed Drake London and the way he can control the football when he catches it. There were some key drops and, and a couple penalties that stopped drives that should have gone for scores. Even at half, it was 28-17. You still think you got a shot. And then it just fell in like a house of cards. Yeah, and that's kind of been the formula for USC football this season and maybe the past couple seasons. That's obviously why Clay Helton lost his job. And I don't need a name per se unless you want to throw one out there, but what would you like to see in the next head coach to help change the culture, help turn this program around and get it back to an elite level? I mean, it's obviously got to be like a clean start, a fresh start. And that's a delicate thing because you're going to inherit the team that you have and the players you have and then start doing your recruiting. So there's that whole two, three year buffer period that coaches like to talk about. You got to think it needs to be a defensive minded guy. I would think, you know, somebody coming from a successful program that wants to step up into the spotlight of USC. I mean, it's a top five job in the country still, you know, and it's USC, that's the university, the Los Angeles, the weather, the co-ed. I mean, it, it recruits itself. Everybody would like to be a Trojan and it takes a special kind to find and to get the most out of it. I mean, Pete Carroll had an all-star cast of recruiters and coaches underneath him. And, you know, Clay Helton was a nice guy, but it, it didn't seem to work out very well. And, and you know, and it's the proof's in the pudding. We haven't had the NFL drafts or the players in the NFL from the past that current Trojan teams just don't have that right now. Right. You're going to get a couple here or there and they end up doing all right, but you don't have the numbers that you saw during the Pete Carroll years and in the past glory days of USC football, where you'd have stacked drafts of Trojan players instead of getting just a few here or there, and not a ton of first-round picks in the last few years as well. So we'll see what happens going forward with USC football. You are listening, of course, to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today is a man who helped me get my start in the world of sports media, formerly of Fox Sports, Jim Bernard. And, of course, you can catch this show on all of your favorite podcast directories to subscribe, download, and rate. Or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. To catch up with me and talk about the Trojans or any other sporting matters, it's at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Jim, why don't you let them know your social media if anyone wants to reach out to you? Sure, I'm on Twitter at JimBernard1. If you want to take a look, you can find me there. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in bluish pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. 
they really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds, never a dull moment. And now to preview this week's game, the final home game of the season. It will be against the 13th ranked team in the country, according to the College Football Playoff Committee and the Associated Press. The BYU Cougars come in for another late night game at the Coliseum, which have turned out so well for the Trojans this year. 7.30 start, and it'll be broadcast on ESPN and on radio, KABC 790 AM and the Trojan Football Radio Network. The Cougars are 9-2 and overall. They are independent. They don't play in any conference. They are coming off of a 34-17 win on the road at Georgia Southern, which is the school that has, of course, hired Clay Helton to be their next head coach. And BYU has already defeated four Pac-12 teams this season. They're looking to sweep their Pac-12 portion of their schedule. They've beaten Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, and Washington State. Their only two losses this season have come in back-to-back weeks against Boise State and then at Baylor. The head coach for BYU is Kalani Satake. He's in his sixth year at the helm there in Provo. 47-28 and 28 record during his time. He is a former running back for the Cougars under the legendary Lavelle Edwards and also a former assistant head coach and defensive coordinator for both Utah and Oregon State in the Pac-12, which is why his name has come up as a possible replacement for both Clay Helton here at USC and also the new opening up at Washington with Jimmy Lake let go there in Seattle. In the all-time series between these two teams, USC leads 2-1. The wins came back during the Pete Carroll glory years, 2003 and 2004. The loss was two years ago in 2019. For those who don't remember, that was a 30-27 overtime loss in Provo. That was the game that really kind of introduced quarterback Zach Wilson to a wider audience. Of course, he became the first-round draft pick this year for the New York Jets, and that was a game where he went 29-33 for 280 yards. USC came back, and kicker Chase McGrath made a career-long 52-yard field goal with a minute 43 left in the fourth quarter just to send that game in overtime. But after BYU kicker Jake Oldroyd made a 43-yarder for the Cougars in their first overtime possession, Keaton Slovis had a pass tipped and picked off, and that gave BYU the win. So now this series that USC signed to play with BYU starting in 2019 with the game on the road, and then two home games this year, and then in 2023... We'll see if that 2023 game is played because BYU is joining the Big 12 Conference and they may not have room on their schedule based on joining a conference. The last game that happened at home, the only time these two teams have played at the Coliseum was in 2003, a 35-18 win for USC. Matt Leinert threw for three touchdown passes on that day. And like I said, just continuing this Home schedule of shame, right? We're going to lose to BYU for the first time ever. And granted, it's only the second time they're playing here, but it's going to be a difficult win based on 
what USC has shown and based on what BYU has shown. And some of the key guys to look at, I guess, for BYU, they've got a fourth-year sophomore quarterback, Jaron Hall. He is a BYU legacy. His father, Kalen, and brother, KJ, both played running back for BYU. And his mom, Holly, was a gymnast for the Cougars. So far this season, 64% completions, 2,307 yards, 18 touchdowns against just three interceptions, and not as much of a running threat as DTR, but it really doesn't matter when you play the Trojans, it seems. Any quarterback can look good on the ground, and he's had 53 carries for 281 yards and three scores this season. Their top running back, a fourth-year sophomore as well, Tyler Algier, 228 carries, 1,298 yards, the second straight season he's gone over 1,000 on the ground, and 18 touchdowns, tied for second in the nation in rushing touchdowns, also added 21 catches for 152 yards, and they've got some pretty good wide receivers. They have a third-year sophomore, Puka Nakua, who transferred from Washington, that's where he started his career, 39 catches, 754 yards to lead the team and five touchdowns. His older brother Samson's also a wide receiver on the team, and he transferred in from Utah so that the brothers could play together. And then you've also got a fifth-year junior wide receiver, Neil Pau. He actually leads the team with 46 catches and six touchdowns this season. Flip it over to the defensive side. Third-year freshman linebacker Ben Bywater leads the Cougars with 80 tackles, six of those for loss, which is tied for the team lead and has a sack among those. And fourth-year junior outside linebacker, Pepe Tanuvasa, 34 tackles, 5.5 for loss, leads the team with three sacks, also has a pick this season. He's a guy who transferred in from Navy after playing there as a freshman in 2018. But maybe this is some hope for USC. Their fourth-year sophomore linebacker, Peyton Wilgar, who had 56 tackles, Six for loss, one and a half sacks, two interceptions, and a forced fumble this season. He's out for the season. He had shoulder surgery last week, so one of the stars for BYU's defense is not going to be playing in this game or any other game for the rest of 2021. And yeah, if I sound pessimistic, that's because I am, Jim. What do you think USC needs to do to find a way to finish off the home schedule with some positive vibes and a win? Well, I mean, you got to hope that they can rally around. It's going to be senior night, last home game of the season. You need two wins to become bowl eligible. And that's so important for a program to have not only play in whatever insignificant bowl, but to have the months of practice through December and into January. I mean, and for a USC team not to be bowl eligible, it's just sounds like crazy talk. I mean, you know, BYU is a team that they're an independent They always, hey, let's see what they can do. And they show up like every three or four years as a really good team. That's not the case now. They're number 13 in the nation. They have a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl if they get some help. This is a legit team going to roll in here and and try to take names. So hopefully the Trojans can pull up some of that senior spirit and, you know, get back down to basics and try to lock down that running game because Algier looks like the real deal. Yeah. It's been difficult to watch USC's inability to stop the run. That's part of what a lot of people have talked about, the lack of physicality on these Trojan teams. That has basically been the change in culture that people are looking at for the future. And 
again, I know I sound very pessimistic because we've seen, it seems, the same story with USC in every game. They seem to be able to hang for a little bit, but then they just get into this rut where the opponent runs off a few scores in a row and SC tries to come back, but it's too little, too late is the storyline, it seems, for the Trojans. And off of what you saw from Jackson Dart in his first career start, I thought he played decently for a guy who obviously doesn't have a ton of experience. Is Jackson Dart ready to lead this team? Because we know they're missing the best player, Drake London, and have been for a few weeks already now. Can a guy who is just a true freshman be the person who can rally the Trojans to a victory? Yeah, you know, obviously he has the skills. And my first impressions, he comes off a little raw. You know, he's a big arm and wants to run around and make a play, always make a play. But hopefully after his first full start and more reps that he maybe can settle in and, you know, take the check down or throw it away if you need to. And don't try to force a big play because he clearly has the ability to be a big play guy. He just got to settle into that role that he's the guy. And it looks like Keaton Slovis has played his last downs for USC. He's got his eyes on the NFL draft. And I don't think his injuries, he's just going to try to get well. So it looks like it's Dart's team to inherit. So hopefully he can do that and make some noise. And let's hope that the team can help him out. And I think, like you said, there were some drops. There were some things that he just didn't get the help he needed against UCLA. And we got to hope that the Trojans show some pride in the final home game of the season, send the seniors out with something positive. And again, like you said, a chance to still go to a bowl with a win against BYU and then the makeup game up in Berkeley. So let's take a look at the predictions that we're going to make here for USC against BYU. Let me recap how things went with my guest last week, Lofa Tatupu. The players that we believe in, I went out there with the high risk, high reward play of going with Jackson Dart and Lofa. He went on the defensive side with Drake Jackson. Now, of course, when he made that pick, he didn't know that Drake Jackson was going to be limited due to injury in the game. So I almost won by default with Dart getting the 325 yards passing and a touchdown and Drake Jackson just barely playing in the game. And then the game score, I had USC winning 38-35. Lofa had the Trojans by a 45-42 score. And I think we were both going with our heart instead of our heads, maybe, in making those predictions. But obviously with the loss, neither of us get that. And then in the prop bet portion of the predictions, Nara's no-doubter was that there would be a pick six in the game. I didn't say by who, I just said there would be a pick six. And Lofa, with his Lofa's lock of the week, he doubled down and said that Kalen Bullock, the young Trojan safety, would be the guy who would get the pick six. So obviously there was no interception for a touchdown in the game. And so we were both wrong on that. So on the week, I just add the one point to my total for getting the player we believe in correct. And on the season now, I am 13-7-4 against my guests. And so let's see how I do this week against Jim Bernard. And we'll start, as always, with the players we believe in. And for this week, I thought about going with Dart again, but instead I'm going to go to Keontae Ingram, 
The Texas transfer, who has become the starting running back for the Trojans, has had a few big games, and I think they're going to need him to have a big game if they want to get a win against BYU. So the player I believe in this week is Keontae Ingram. Jim, who do you believe in? Anara, risky pick with uh, Ingram because I guess he's got some kind of chest issue, but hopefully he's healed up and ready to go for you. I am going with Gary Bryant Jr., kind of an obvious pick with London gone. He's become the leader of the Trojans receivers. He had a career day last week with nine catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. So hopefully he's settling in with his relationship with Dart and can put up some big numbers because the Trojans are going to need it if they're going to keep up with the scoring against BYU. All right. Yeah, I know I am taking the risk with Ingram being dinged up. And so I may be completely wrong. It may be the senior Vavai Malapai on senior night having another big game. But I think Ingram, if he doesn't have a good game, then SE has no chance. And if he doesn't play, then SE really has no chance (laughs) is how I'm looking at it. And so now the game score and winner. Jim, I'll let you go first. What's the score going to be and who's winning? Well, you know, I got to go Trojan pride and I'm going to pick the Trojans to win at 35-28 with the hopes that they can just focus on that run and shut Algier down. You know, he's from Fontana, so playing against his home crowd, you know, like that either. But if they can focus on him and, and then, you know, maybe trade scores in the second half, I'm, I'm hoping for a Trojan win. And I should mention that as of now, as we record this on a Friday, the day before the game, USC is a seven-point home underdog on Bet Online. Bet Online, of course, a sponsor of the Everything USC podcast. So you're going with SC winning by seven. And I went with my heart last week. I'm not making that mistake this week. I think BYU is going to be the next opponent to put up at least 40 against the Trojans in the Coliseum this season. I've got it 44-24 BYU. Another shameful loss is what I'm predicting. So prove me wrong, Trojans. I want to be wrong so badly, but I just don't see it happening. So we're going opposite. You're going with your heart, maybe, with the 35-28 USC win. I'm going strictly with my head, 44-24 BYU. And now for the prop bet. Always fun, always unpredictable. What are we going to go here? Nara's no-doubter is that there will be a touchdown scored of at least 50 yards. So someone will score a touchdown in this game. Could be a catch, a run, a return, pick six, whatever. But it's going to be at least 50 yards in length. So that is Nara's no-doubter for this week. Jim, what are you calling your prop bet, and what is it? All right, so, you know, USC does have 17 takeaways on the year. And BYU has nine turnovers. So I'm going with JB's bank on it. Trojans get two turnovers in the game. All right. JB's bank on it is that there will be at least two takeaways by the Trojans in this matchup. Right. Okay. And we're going to need them because, like I said, this team is, is a, a for real opponent. I would love to see you be right. And, of course, you are picking USC to win, so this would help you'd be right in that as well. So to recap the predictions in the players we believe in, I am going with the running back, Keontae Ingram, Jim taking wide receiver Gary Bryant Jr. On the game score, I've got BYU in a laugher, 44-24. 
while Jim going with the Trojan pride and a 35-28 USC victory and the prop bet Nara's no doubter. There will be a touchdown scored of 50 plus yards while JB's bank on it is that there will be at least two takeaways by USC in this one. So we'll see how it all turns out for us in the predictions and this is the Everything USC podcast. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today, Jim Bernard, one of my first bosses in one of my first jobs in sports media with Fox Sports way back in the day when I was still a student at USC. And if you want to find this show, subscribe, download, and rate it on all of your favorite podcast directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more, or go directly to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcast. For me, I am on Twitter. You can find and follow me there, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Jim, let the people know how to catch up with you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at JimBernard1. You can find me there. This is Bernice O'Connor, USC Women's Warpole All-American, Katino Award winner, 2000 Olympic silver medalist, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nora Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. Finally, before I let you go, Jim, I want to be a little more optimistic about things, so let's flip it over to talk about USC basketball. <laughs> they have started the season 5-0, and and they just defeated St. Joseph's last night in Anaheim in the first game of the Wooden Legacy Tournament, 70-55. They will be playing San Diego State tonight as we record this on a Friday in the championship game of that Wooden Legacy. And coming off the Elite Eight run last season, the best player, of course, Evan Mobley, ended up leaving after his freshman year to no one's surprise and is doing quite well as a rookie with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Looks like he's about to return from an elbow sprain injury. He suffered a couple of weeks ago and they need him. The Cavs have lost five straight games and have fallen below 500 so they could really use Evan Mobley back in the lineup. But of course, Isaiah Mobley, his older brother, remained at USC after dipping his toe into the NBA draft and then taking his name out. Boogie Ellis, the transfer guard from Memphis, has made a big impact so far. Chavez Goodwin is maybe the most improved player, showing a lot of work that he has put in, and it's showing up on the court. And so my question to you, Jim Bernard, is, is USC now a basketball school? I know. Geez, it looks that way. Uh, Andy Anfield has done a great job. You know, he came in and it's got this program. I mean, the recruiting and the, and the players. I mean, the Trojans are ranked 24. I mean, that's legit. And this Boogie Ellis looks like he's going to be a team leader. I mean, he looked great last night against St. Joseph. Yeah, and I really like the defense. That was the key to last year's team, and it looks like it's going to be the key for this year's team as well because they were okay offensively against St. Joe's, but really it was the defense that they showed that really allowed them to pull away late, and that's what they've kind of been doing they end up pulling away late against these teams they've already gone on the road and have two true road wins in philadelphia against temple and then in andy enfield's return to florida gulf coast and yes temple and florida gulf coast are not the greatest teams in the world but getting true road wins is going to help 
in any metric when it comes to determining teams for March Madness. They've still got a couple of more non-conference games to go, but they will actually, after tonight's game, they start off an early Pac-12 season. They're going to play Utah and Washington State before they go back to some non-conference games. And then in the new year, it'll be the full Pac-12 schedule. So it's a little weird how the Pac-12 has a couple of early conference games in the beginning of December. But it's going to be interesting to see how this Trojan team plays out because you don't have that superstar in Evan Mobley. You don't have that top five draft pick on this year's team. Boogie Ellis could be playing himself into being maybe a late first round pick, maybe a second round pick for sure. And Isaiah Mobley, there are some people who think his size and skill set can get him an NBA career. I have never been as sold on Isaiah just because of the lack of athleticism. And I think that's going to hurt him at the next level. But he's definitely a guy who could end up maybe getting a second round draft pick as well. And you have a lot of good role players around them. I'm excited to say the least about watching this team play. Much more excited to watch them play than I am to watch the football team play, which is sad to say. But is it Fair to say that USC has established itself as a team that we should expect to be good every year now. Under the current coaching staff, I got to believe that. I mean, you know, like you said, there isn't that crazy marquee guy like they had last year. But, you know, Mobley and Goodwin, they're worth the boards just as good as anybody. And like I said, Boogie Ellis, from what he's shown so far to start, he could be that guy that maybe doesn't lead the team in scoring every night, but leads the team to victories, you know, with his passing and dribble drive when you need it and then pull up jumpers. I mean, he had a really good look last night and and uh, I hope that, that that can continue and carry on. I mean, you know, we go back, we talked about the, the crosstown rivalry stuff. You know, the Bruins are, I think, two in the nation or maybe they dropped after the loss of Gonzaga, but still they are a legit final four team. So, you know, we're going to play them twice. So you have the opportunity to make some noise and move up the rankings yourself if you can take care of business in the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 is going to be difficult. Like you mentioned, UCLA was ranked number two, and that'll probably change on next week's ranking because of the loss to Gonzaga. But they're a very good team that returned most of the people from that team that went to the Final Four last year. And... SC has had some good success against UCLA in recent years. Got to hope that keeps up. Arizona, which has struggled. They got rid of Sean Miller with all the controversy swirling around there and the lack of results the last couple of years. And they brought in Tommy Lloyd, the longtime assistant to Mark Few at Gonzaga. And they look great so far to start off the season. And so it's going to be difficult if those two teams that are known as the marquee teams in the Pac-12 in basketball, UCLA and Arizona, are back to being good. But I think USC is trying to show that they belong in that upper realm. And because, again, SC is known as a football school, not a basketball school, they have to work maybe a little extra hard to get people to notice them on a national level and get into the rankings. And in previous years, A lot of times when they would finally break through into the top 25, they would immediately follow it with a loss. So it's good to see that they didn't immediately do that. And hopefully they beat the Aztecs tonight in Anaheim and win the Wooden Legacy Tournament. And it can jumpstart this season in basketball for them. On the women's side as well, Lindsey Gottlieb, the former Cavaliers assistant coach, the former Cal head coach, has got the 
Women of Troy off to a good start. They're playing in Cancun over this holiday week, and so we wish them the best of luck there as well. And again, I'm trying to be optimistic here to finish off this podcast, so we're talking SC basketball and the hopes that they can have another great season like they did last year. And finally, Jim, thank you for joining me here on this Thanksgiving weekend. And any final words you'd like to get out there about this USC program, Thanksgiving, anything? This is your chance here. <laughs> well, Nara, first of all, thanks for having me. A lot of fun. And, you know, when you take a look at the Trojan football team, hopefully, like I said, they can rally around the whole idea that it's senior night and find a couple wins here and become bowl eligible. Obviously, you want the Trojan football team to do well if you're part of the Trojan football family. It's a big part of university. So hopefully they can turn it around here, get a new captain at the ship and move things forward. But, you know, fight on as always. And hopefully we're looking at a win come late Saturday night. So, for my guest, Jim Bernard, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 47 of the Everything USC podcast, presented by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and much, much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as I end every show, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.